Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we will discuss with industry experts on how to create wealth and build passive income from apartment buildings, self-storage, mobile home parks, and much more. Here is your host, Jonathan Way. Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Way, and I'm the founder of Grayson Capital Group, my investment firm. If you're interested in passively investing with us, please visit graystonecapgroup.com and join our investor network. Okay, and now on to the show. Today we have a special guest on my show. Um, Camila is a business partner with um, Susie uh, Sever, who's a podcast guest in the past on my show. She, Camila is a founder and CEO of Steady Stream Investments, a company focused on providing investment opportunities in large multifamily and senior housing communities. Camila left her um, day job, her W-2 job, to pursue real estate full-time. Her path in real estate investing started when she was young, a young mother, age 22, living in a garage apartment. Over the course of 18 years, Camille steadily grew her real estate portfolio. And today she'll speak about um, how she transitioned from, from being working a day job to um, uh, having her own business, a CEO, and the power of real estate investing. Well, welcome to the show, Camille. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks, Jonathan. I'm excited to be here on the show. Appreciate it. Great. So why don't you take us back to your, your, your beginnings and how you started and then how you transitioned to, I guess, multifamily investing. Please. Yeah. Uh, so I started out house hacking uh, at a young age uh, because I didn't have any money. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, if you don't have any money, house hacking is actually a really great way to go because you can get into a, you can buy a residential house or a duplex or fourplex or something and take advantage of all the first time home buyer programs out there, which is what I did and um, got into a house and rented out the basement and lived there for like, I only had to pay like 150 bucks a month. It was amazing. Um, And to have this six bedroom home. Um, And that's when I thought, you know, real estate's pretty cool. I want to get to know, I get to do more real estate and uh, moved on to the live-in flip method, which is where you buy a fixer upper and you move into it again to get the best financing, the lowest down payment and the uh, the best interest rates, Uh, fix it up and then move out and either rent or sell. And that's how I, you know, didn't acquired my portfolio for many years, for about 15 years. I, I used that strategy um, and then did a little bit of small multifamily as well. Um, and after 15 years, I was just burnt out. I was so done. It was just a lot of stuff, a lot because at that point I was doing everything myself. You know, I was out there cutting the grass. I was doing the maintenance. I was the landlord. I, you know, everything all on, on my own. And so I'm thinking now, what, what do I do now? Cause I'm, I'm done with this type of investing. And so then I started researching large multifamily apartments and thinking, yeah, I think I could, I could totally do apartments. And, uh, but then I saw that they cost millions of dollars and I was like, oh no, I don't have millions of dollars. How do you even buy these apartments? How do people do that? And I realized that I had an aha moment. It's not, you don't buy them by yourself. You buy them in a group, yeah, a group of people come together and we buy them together. So that's what um, I did. And I, and I first started, I invested passively first into apartments and now I am a general partner in many apartment um, acquisitions. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So first you were a passive investor, right? In, in multifamily mm-hmm. deals and you kind of saw, okay, yeah, this is actually working. I'm actually getting some distributions and I actually maybe want to one day be active and be an active syndicator to um, lead the deals or help lead the deals and gain experience. So tell us about your first deal when you passed and invest. Was that, uh, how big was a multifamily investment and who, who did you choose as a lead sponsor? 
Yeah. So the first deal is always the hardest just because there's a big learning curve. And so even though I'd been a real estate investor for 15 years, it was still a learning curve for me to learn about how commercial is is run and and multifamily is a part of commercial real estate uh, because it's run a lot more robustly and and intelligently than all of my single family investments are. I mean, more like a business, right? It's more like you're you're getting into a business. Um, and so there were a lot of different terms that I had to learn. And once, I mean, I'd never heard the term equity multiple before, because when you're just a, a DIY investor, you don't think about equity multiple. You just think about cash flow. You're like, how much cash flow can I get? And then, oh, it appreciates great, but you don't bank on that. And so it was really interesting to look at equity multiple and have projected hold times and, and have it just be very solid and, and do that. So I started learning and educating. I didn't read a lot of books. I listened to podcasts and then I was like, okay, well, how do I find one of these investments? Because it's not like you can just Google, you know, Hey, I want to go and invest in something. You have to, you pretty much have to get to know someone on most of the time, especially if you're not an accredited investor. And, you know, if your audience doesn't know what accredited is, it means you have to have a million in net worth or you are a a high wage earner. So you earn $200,000 or more personally or 300,000 or more jointly with a spouse. So I was not accredited at the time when I started my journey. So that meant I had to get to know somebody because that's one of the rules of investing. If you're not accredited, you have to have a personal relationship with someone. I'm like, well, I am an introvert. I don't really go out to a lot of places. And I, I, you know, going to meetups where I don't know anybody is very terrifying for me. And so I, I was thinking, what am I going to do? But you know what, if you have a, if you have a goal and a determination to do something, you can get out of your comfort zone a little bit and, and do it. And that's what I had to do. Like I, I, I Googled multifamily meetup. And I was living in uh, Tempe, Arizona at the time. And I found one in the Phoenix area and I went to it. I attended this multifamily meetup. There's like 10 people that were there and uh, only a handful of them had done any multifamily. Everybody else was kind of thinking about it and wanted to know about it and learn about it. And so we all just kind of started learning together. Well, in that meetup, one of the people in the meetup had done deals before, and then and he joined another group who was who who was a larger group who was doing syndications in Tucson, Arizona, and he brought the deal to our group and said, "Hey, anybody want to invest in this deal?" And I was like, "Well, I'll take a look at it and let me take a look at it." And so I looked at it and read through it and you know got to know the deal and spent some time analyzing the deal and and the Tucson market and got to know the partners the the other partners who were part of it and ended up saying okay let's let's do it it was 107 units in Tucson Arizona um but i was pretty terrified to uh do this investment and and it's because as a DIYer, you have control over everything, right? And as a passive investor, you don't have control. You don't make the decisions. And that can be seen as a negative thing or a positive thing, right? And for me, I decided I'm going to see this as a positive because I don't have to make all the decisions. I don't have to like use any of my brain power or time or muscles to make this a, a good 
project. I can, I can rely on professionals who have done it before and they're probably do a way better job than I could any, either, anyway, because while I'm fumbling and DIYing myself through it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was like, you know what, we're just going to do this, but it wasn't, I did have anxiety, right. It was, I mean, it was $50,000 was my first investment and it's not a small sum of money for your first time. And, yes. and yes. you're just like, I hope this goes well. And, and it's gone very well, very, very wow. well. Excellent. I'm really, and what year was that that you, you first, you first, what year was that? You did that investment? Uh, 2019. 19. Okay. You were a passive mm-hmm. investor in 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was your first journey in multifamily, a large multifamily, 107 units. Yep. It's not a small 24 units, a large, considered over 100 units, considered large. Um, yeah. And uh, so that's good. Tucson, Arizona, which is that time wasn't really developed as Phoenix, Arizona. So still not that, not still not there yet, I heard. So, it was not that exciting. No. Yeah. <laughs> a place to invest. Yeah. But yeah. it is it is now. It for sure is is okay. definitely growing and, and developing now. Okay. Great. And then when that when did you get to your active from your passive investing for in 2019? When did you decide to go active and why? What was your reasoning for that for logic? Yeah. So 2019 uh, passive and um, and it was in the beginning of 2019 that I invested passively in in this apartment complex and I just I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the whole concept of group investing and was just thinking, wow, this is so much better than anything I've ever done. And, <laughs> and all the, you know, DIY and doing everything myself and, and even the returns that were projected at the time, right? I, I hadn't realized any of those, but the returns that were projected, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that those types, you could get those types of returns without doing work. Mm-hmm. And, and that it blew my mind. And so I was like, you know what? I know there are thousands and thousands of other DIYers out there like myself who probably just don't know a better way. And I didn't no, right. I mean, it took me 15 years to find passive investing in it, you know, and, and I would have done it 10 years earlier had I known about it. And so then I decided, you know what, I love to educate people and I really want to educate people on how to become a passive investor and all the things you need to know to be a passive investor, because there's a lot that you didn't need to know. So I launched Study Stream Investments in late 2019 just to start educating people about um, passive investing. And then in 2020, did my first deal as a general partner and helped um, about 20 passive investors to invest into that deal as well. Okay, great, great. So you, so you became sort of an educator, sort of like the Good Egg Investments, Annie, and and um, yes, so, yeah, so, yeah, so, so, love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of educate. Oh, this is what passive investing means in one hundred and one, and then once because it's really it's comfortability. Because if you're if you're a DIY, you want control, and to get them comfortable over that hurdle, it's really education, right? Because right. that's the key. Because most people are used to just buying a home, renting them out, and have control. Whereas in this situation, you, you don't have no control, but but your but what you gain is actually pretty good. You get tax benefits, you get probably better returns and less headache for you. You can go vacation, you don't have to worry about right. this stuff. Right? And you get your time back too. Right. That that was exciting for me as well. So wow. So you went, so it was really interesting. You in 2019 you did your first passive investment. You really liked it. And you started steady stream investments in 2020, which is I guess six months or one year later. And you mm-hmm. started started doing this this company to educate people. Hey, you know what? There's a better way to invest um, in in larger commercial real estate for the everyday ordinary person like like me and you, me and you basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep, great, exactly, great, great. And so, your where was your first GP? I guess capital raising deal. Where was that? 
Uh, so it was also in Tucson, Arizona. Okay. So I, I, I joined a, a group there that had been doing real estate for a very long time. Um, and that one was 90, 90 something units in, in Tucson. And uh, that, that was the first GP deal. Oh, okay. Tucson. Okay. Very interesting. Tucson, Arizona. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. I like, I like that market. I really do. Why? Because I think the tax is lower than Texas. I think the insurance is much lower than Texas. Texas is very high insurance and high taxes, as yeah. you probably know, right? Because there's no income yep. tax. So they compensate for that through the real estate property taxes. Um, yes. Where I think Phoenix is much lower. And I think Phoenix insurance is lower because there's no hail. I don't yes, think there's correct. no hail. So okay. No hail. We don't. I mean, we'll get a dust storm every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. really not not much bad weather i mean the it's very hot right so yeah. we do have a lot of water consumption extra water consumption but we try to be conscious of conservation as well mm-hmm. there too okay great great so that's awesome that's awesome so i love that so now you're a gp in tucson and then you started i guess from 2020s where you started taking off i guess getting to other gp deals like that right so how many deals have you done so yes. far as in this in steady stream investments Nine. Nine, nine deals. deals so far. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mostly in Arizona or some in Texas or where, where would you have those? Yeah. So my markets so far, I'm in three different markets. So um, Arizona is my biggest. I'm, I'm closing on my fifth deal there soon. And then I have a few deals in Oklahoma and a uh, deal in, I just picked up, I just expanded into the North Carolina market yeah. last month, closed on a deal there. Um, and then in Texas, I'm actually building an, an assisted living, new construction type um, investment. And so that's exciting too. Okay, great. Awesome. Awesome. So you're in uh, North Carolina, Arizona, and OKC. That's a very interesting market. That's good. Those are good markets. I like Arizona. Mm-hmm. I like Texas. I like North Carolina. OKC, there's some items with some storm and tornado. That's something I'm worried about in OKC. Because <laughs> I have asked <laughs> OKC myself. I yes. have done myself too. So that's something I'm worried about. Um, yes. Yeah. But no, by some some areas are really good. So yeah. Okay, great. So what I guess what what um, lessons learned? How you learn from your experience from LP to a GP to the audience? What would you share about your any lessons you learned that that's good or bad? You can share with them. Yeah. So I I have lots of people reach out to me that want to uh, become a GP, right? And so they're, they're, they have been LPs. So maybe they've been LPs before and they, they want to become a GP or maybe they just want to get into multifamily. So the first thing I tell everybody is you need to invest passively into a deal. Um, and there's two reasons for that. I mean, one is obvious, get your money to work for you, right? Mm-hmm. And number two is you need to learn and build credibility, right? So you'll, you'll be able to learn from a sponsor how they treat their passive investors. And that's really critical to treat your passive investors well. Um, and because you most likely they will repeat invest with you over and over and over again. And I've experienced that with steady stream investments as well. If you treat them right and you have really great communication and are, are doing, you know, all the right things, then they will stay with you. Um, and so you want to learn from people who are doing it well. And so you know, invest passively. The next steps after you've invested passively is to try and figure out where your skill sets are. So in a multifamily um, acquisition, I, I think of it as there's four different roles. You have your acquisition specialist, and this is the person who goes out and talks to brokers. They go out and talk to owners, trying to find the deal, right? Mm-hmm. 
you have your underwriter. This is the person who loves spreadsheets and does all the financial analyses and, and is very good at numbers. You have a capital raiser. So this is the person who is good at educating passive investors and bringing capital to the deal to make sure we can close it. And then you have your asset manager. And the asset manager is the one who helps put together the business plan and then executes it after close and manages the asset through the life of it. Um, So think about your skills. So what have you done in the past that would help you out? So I did this, I went through this process and I looked, you know, I learned about all the roles and I tried all the roles. So you should try them first, right? So you try and find a deal. You should make sure you know how to underwrite, make sure and try talking to investors, bringing investors on board and then, you know, about asset management. So I was, I tried all the roles and, um, and as I was trying them, I, I started learning more things about what I was more excited about. And I'm definitely excited about you know educating passive investors for sure. So raising capital felt like a natural fit for me. But then also I looked at my experience. So what's my experience been? Well, of course, I've, I have a great experience in acquisitions and I have great experience in asset management. Um, I didn't have as much experience in underwriting because again, the difference between you know underwriting a single family is very simple <laughs> compared to when you're underwriting like a large multifamily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my experience was light there in underwriting and I'm not a big fan of spreadsheets. I mean, I like them, but I don't love them. Okay. Um, so I looked at that and I thought, you know, well, with all of my properties, I did launch it within there. I, I launched my own property management company as well and owned that. And so I thought, well, that's a great skill that I have that I could bring to the table. So I can bring asset management and capital to the table and maybe, and, and I'm going to focus in on those because it's probably not the best for you to be all, to be good at all of them, right? Like you need to know them all, but when partnerships start forming, it's interesting what happens is because we're look, what we're looking for is we're looking for people with the same values and ideals, but different skill sets because everybody's got to do something different on the team. So you would not want a team of four people who are all really good at acquisitions, but didn't, were terrible at raising capital. That would not, you would not be able to close a deal. And so you have to find, you know, we have to figure out what your superpower is going to be and, and then how you're going to pitch to other people. So next step after looking inward is now to start looking outward and you've got to start going to meetups and networking with people and getting to know them. Now, again, I told you I was an introvert. So the word network, it makes me terrified, Um, but you can do it in your own way too. You don't have to, you don't have to pretend you're this big extrovert and go out and do it and go to meetups every single weekend and exhaust yourself. Like it's not what I did. I chose smaller ones and I went to smaller meetups so that I could have more intimate networking conversations. Um, I still, and I went to a couple of the giant ones, um, but the giant ones didn't serve me as well as the smaller ones did. And so, you know, if you know yourself, like the giant ones are are great for some people, but they weren't great for me. Um, And so that was one of the other things that I did is you start networking and you get to know other people and then other people get to know you so that when a deal comes up, if you're not, especially if you're not the acquisitions person, which I'm not, um, they would call me. They would say, I remember Camilla. Camilla can help add value by bringing capital and managing the asset. I'm going to call Camilla and let's see if she wants to partner with me on this deal. And that's really kind of how partnerships get formed. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course. Of course. That, that's key. Thank you. That's very good. That's good for sharing audience because 
you did a really good job of explaining those different roles and that you it's a t- it's a teamwork it's not just in one individual you can't be one superman you can't you can't do that you need various teams to help you to get to as a very large asset and there's a lot of work that has to be done so that's very good you articulate those, those yes. facts yeah and um that's great so what is there any personal habit you done you do like on a consistent basis that helps you be very successful Ah, personal habits. So reading is a big one. I mean, behind me, I have a whole bookshelf of books. So I try and read um, at least a book a month and, 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 and make sure that I am consuming information. Now, often, like, if, you know, if you study the brain, we don't, you know, absorb as much information and remember as much information as we take in. But I figure even if I can glean one or two things from every book that I read, it's going to serve me. And, um, and I love it. And it gives me inspiration when I'm reading and I'm, I'm a nerd. I still use physical books, right? Like I've, I'm reading this one right now, the introvert entrepreneur, right? So I'm learning more about like how to be a better entrepreneur as an introvert and, and it gives, and it gives me tips and I love to highlight and write in it, but yeah, reading is definitely a big one for me. Reading. Great. 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 My first book is rich that poor that. Um, and mm-hmm. I have a new book I'm reading with my daughter, Tanex Kids, with t- teaching my little daughter, a nine years old, to about financial literacy and maybe do Airbnb together, nice. teach her how it works, you know, small little house or something, yep. tiny, tiny home or something. But it's great. It's great. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I do that with my kids. So I have five kids oh. and uh, we just bought our first Airbnb all together as a family and yeah. they are helping to manage it and make decisions on it. And 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 they invested in it from one of our live and flips that we did. The kids, I paid the kids using tax strategy of the income shifting. And uh, then they just funneled that into an investment and now they have their own passive oh, investment. Nice. So it's pretty awesome. cool. That's cool. That's cool. I'm glad you did that. Very good. Um, what's the best advice would you give our audience that you want to share? What's your best advice ever? Like in Joe Ferris, what's the best advice ever you give? <laughs> best ever advice. Okay. So my best advice ever is to always live just barely outside your comfort zone. And the reason I say just barely outside is that it's not sustainable to be way far outside of your comfort zone all the time. And so if you can just push yourself every day to do one thing that makes you a little bit uncomfortable, your comfort zone just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And soon you're going to find yourself in a place where you can't believe that you were so scared. And this is exactly what happened to me. You were so scared to call a broker. The first time I called a broker, I was terrified. And I, it was so hard for me to pick up the phone. I had to prep myself and I had to, you know, to call this broker because I knew that I wouldn't say the right things. And I knew that he would ask me questions that I wouldn't be able to answer. And, and that's exactly what happened. And it was very uncomfortable. And he saw right through me and, and knew that I was a newbie. But you have to do those things. And now today I can I can call a broker, I can call 10 brokers a day and it wouldn't even phase me um, to do so. But you just have to just live barely outside that comfort zone and then the comfort zone grows and and you don't have to you don't have to go make yourself crazy to do it. You just do a little bit every day. Yeah, that's a great advice. I think uh, for me when I first started, I was a little uncomfortable asking other people for money and raising capital. And I and slowly as I've been doing it, get used to it. I've done like eight, nine deals, 10 deals now. Now I'm very <laughs> used to it. And I could raise, you know, still more capital than I was when I first started. 
So that was my fear, yes. right? Because I never, I never asked someone like, how do I ask someone money for money? You know, like you afraid to lose the money and all this, and that's what comes to your head, right? And that, that's what that's that's what my concern initially when I had a large deal. How was to raise like you know two three million dollars? I didn't know how to do that. So, so that's very interesting. <laughs> I'm right. That's good advice. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kashmir. Um, how people reach out to you? Want to talk to you and connect with you? Yeah. So I, you can definitely get go to my website steadystreaminvestments.com, and I have a course there that's called Passive Investing Made Easy. So uh, again, I focus on t- educating the first time passive investors what it takes to get into their first deal. Um, and then also, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me. Um, but if you're not on LinkedIn, then Facebook is good too. And just by my name, Camilla Jeffs. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you very much, Camilla, for coming on the show. Thanks for listening. For more information, you can find us online at www.graystonecapgroup.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. See you again next time.